Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Hey, it's Mitch Bach from Tourpreneur here with a quick note before our episode begins. This week's Tourpreneur podcast is sponsored by TripAdmit. TripAdmit has come up with a fantastic new product called Tap to Tip. I remember being a tour guide 20 years ago and just waiting for that awkward moment at the end where your guests fumble into their pockets and whip out cash or they don't. And that sort of all changed during the pandemic. We stopped using cash and now everyone's dealing with PayPal accounts and Venmos and QR codes. John McGuire, you're the CEO of TripAdmit. You came up with something new. What did you figure out? Hey, Mitch. We've developed a digital tipping solution for the guides so that the guides, we provide them with a NFC card, which they can tap off the back of their guests' phones. That will open essentially a web app, and then the guests can tip the guides digitally, either by Apple Pay or by credit card or whatever payment method of their choice. Because as, as you mentioned, it's the, the world is going cashless and uh, certainly is, is timely for the guides to, to look at digital tipping as a, as a source of income. So no app downloads, no scanning, no typing things into your phone. You just hold this, this card up to your guest's phone and voila, they've got some convenient options to tip. Does the web app do anything else? Reviews and ratings. But what we've done is we've taken the reviews and ratings one step further and integrated ChatGPT. So the ChatGPT, is, uh, it allows the guest to input into the review, but also ChatGPT will help write the review for the guest and they can post it onto TripAdvisor or onto Google or, or onto, the, uh, onto the website of the activity book. This sounds like seamless handholding to get guests to tip and review. That sounds like money in your guide's pockets and a great service you're providing. If our operators want to learn more, where should they go? Well, if they want to know more, go on to tripadmit.com forward slash tap to tip and uh, all the information is there. Hi, everyone. It's Mitch Bach back with another Tourpreneur Roundup featuring myself, Peter Syme, Nikki Padilla, and Chris Torres. Uh, we have so much to cover this week in the experiences industry, lots of news. And we're going to start with late breaking news of the sale of ResD, the booking platform and the channel manager, for $110 million to a private equity firm. Peter Syme, you are our resident startup guru. This is just hot off the presses, and so we don't have a lot of uh, context to this, but what's your thoughts on this? Good news, interesting news for our industry? I think it's fantastic news. It's 120 million US, uh, Australian dollars, whatever that turns out at US, about 80 million US. So for Chris, 
the CEO there and all the team at ResDay. I think it's fantastic news. I think for the industry, it's fantastic news. Uh, looking at the reports coming into Australia, it was about six times annual revenues. So they were doing about 20 million in revenues a year, billion dollars again, getting an exit six times. Our technology is quite low, but we're in strange times with technology at the moment. And a few years ago, all the exits were 10, 10 times and 15 times in silly numbers, whereas that bubble has gone. So to get an exit in this industry, to have a buyer who's interested, it's private equity has bought it. Private equity do not hold things for long. They hold it for up to five years, maybe slightly longer if they can't unload, but they buy to sell. Whereas VCs look to be in for a longer period, look for the big end, uh, exits. Private equity will be in and are happy to get out with a sale of towns too. So if they buy in for 60 mil, 120 mil US do, uh, Australian dollars, they're happy if they double their money over five years and get back out. So it will be on the market again at some point. But overall for the industry, it shows that the money that is still out there is still interested in our industry. So that has to be good news. And it's got to be good news for all the other rest techs who are still building, still and growing their businesses, that they're seeing different ways of, because many of them have been around a long time. resident has been around since 2011. Some other ones longer than that. So at some point, you have to get an exit of these businesses. And I'm sure the news will have cheered up lots of ResTech owners this morning. We anticipated during the pandemic a lot of exits or mergers or something happening, and nothing really seemed to move. Everyone seemed to just kind of press the pause button and work on product or or do whatever they were doing. Do you think this is an indication of more mergers, movements, exits, things to come in the future? Yeah, it has to happen because there's just too many people chasing small pie. Uh, and we can all come up with stupid numbers about how many operators are not on tech, how many are on tech, but we all know Lots of these companies are basically surviving on churn. An operator moves from one to another to another, and that's not a sustainable business model. So there's got to be movement in the market going forward. Raising funding at the moment for existing companies is very hard, unless you happen to have AI in your title somewhere. They're still getting funded, but everybody else. Raising money is difficult at the moment. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. So I suspect uh, there's a lot of discussions going on about potential sales, potential mergers, whatever it is. Really difficult to merge uh, ResTech, so I wouldn't expect to see too many mergers because that is a really difficult thing to do. But we have got to see some movement, and this may be the start of movement in this space too. All of it will be positive in my view. I don't think we're seeing anything negative here at all. The industry's growing. Travel's going to double by 2050. So the need for technology in the industry is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. We can just investigate what type of technology going forward rather than what we've got at the moment. What do you think this means for your average tour operator? Should they care? Is it just uh, beans moving to another pocket? Or does this have ramifications for the boots on the ground operator? Creating? I don't think it has any ramifications at all, I think. People who are using ResDay will continue using ResDay. They'll get the same service, hopefully, going forward. They just The only thing should, operators should be happy about is money is still interested in our industry. If money is interested in our industry, that means technology gets built. That means operators have access to world-class technology at really cheap money. A lot of our operators don't realize how cheap this technology is or what it does. It's cheap technology at the price you're paying. Therefore, as an operator, you should be happy when you see this happening, but does it change your life on the ground day to day? 
Speaking of world-class cheap technology, our sponsor, TripAdmit, I actually want to bring this up with you, Peter, uh, because, excuse me for that shameless transition, but Peter, you weren't here last week and we were discussing uh, TripAdmit's tap-to-tip service. You have an NFC credit card, you tap it, suddenly easy tipping, AI-generated or powered reviews uh, generation happening, uh, all in a really slick, quick app. Now, I'm interested in this as a business strategy. To me, this appears much more like TripAdmit acting like a fintech company, opening up digital payment solutions to the entire industry rather than a traditional reservation technology company. That sounds smart to me. Yeah, because what it means is your company's valued at significantly more than a travel company. It's simple as that. Again, financial companies are not valued in the same way as travel companies are. We're all in the travel industry, but you can just jump over to the financial industry and see a comparison of the valuations and they're significantly higher. So if you are a travel company providing travel services and you can integrate and action on financial services within your service, it's a super smart thing to do from a, an owner or a founder of a travel technology company. Smart. And and if it's providing the service and the operator like it, it's win-win-win. Everybody, everybody wins in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the things to be looking at if you are an operator looking at your booking software options out there. Look at the ones that are innovating, not simply in the very narrow lane of, oh, we can make the customer journey very easy. That should be a given now. I think all of these ancillary ways in which they're developing ecosystems, whether it's Resty's channel manager or tap to tip or whatever it is, uh, um, is a good sign that you're with um, a healthy, innovative company that is um, um, that is eager to to improve things for you. For sure. Nikki Padilla, the Facebook group has had a lot. I don't know it's since you returned from the WITS conference with con- content creators, but there seems to be a lot of content creators these days using the Facebook group to try and connect with tour operators. And I was wondering if you've noticed that and what's your take on on what's going on with that right now? I have. There are so many content creators in the Torpreneur group right now, and they all need operators. I get messages daily asking for, I need an operator in Morocco. I need an operator in, in Egypt. Um, they don't know how to find them. They don't know how to match with them. Um, so tour operators, they're out there. They're looking for you. And I just think one thing I'm realizing, and we've talked about this before in, in different mediums, but there's such a communication gap between the two groups. So something for the tour operators to keep in mind, this is they have very different needs than the average person sending you a request or proposal. They want to be super involved in the itinerary. In a lot of cases, they've already started making bookings. I've had people message me and said, hey, I've already booked the hotels. I've already booked a couple activities with a guide that I like, but now I need a DMC to fill in the rest. So they're kind of coming with you already kind of half-baked. Um, they want to host the trip. So this is something that needs to be added into the financials. They're all using the term FOC. A lot of them don't know what it stands for. And a lot of them think it means they go for free and it doesn't cost any money that the company just adds them on. Um, so these things need to kind of be brought up in front and explained and broken down in the pricing. Another really big one I'm seeing is they don't have money to pay up front. So, you know, they're making the booking. They're all exciting. They're telling you that it's a huge email list and everyone wants to go on the trip. But then you ask for a deposit. And they don't have it. Um, a lot of them are selling the trip very last minute. They don't have lead time. They don't have sales runways. They're kind of putting it up a month before, two months before. So again, there needs to be some give and take, but these are just differences that you might be seeing in these content creators reaching out. Pete, Chris, are you are you noticing this as well happening in our group? And is this an indication of 
changes in the way multi-day tour marketing is happening, uh, changes in sort of the way our industry is sort of functioning? Correct. No, for, for sure. No, I, th I think, you know, you've definitely seen a huge difference in the group in terms of people looking for operators. Now, those questions almost seem daily now. Uh, people looking for, for operators to help them conduct tours and uh, help them with their own customers, their own guests and things like that. So I think this is a massive opportunity for operators to get to know content creators a lot more, get to build up those relationships and, and hopefully get extra business out of it, especially in the multi-day sector. I know it's something we've been talking about for a while, something we're going to be hopefully implementing to make that connection easier. But uh, yeah, it's, it's actually literally been the last four or five weeks. It's almost a daily occurrence now. It's, it's what happened. So here's something left field and a bit weird, uh, the way my brain works. But I was listening to a podcast. This is not my theory. This is someone else's theory. From the All In podcast I was listening to yesterday or whatever. So the world's best footballer has gone to Inter Miami, Inter Miami Messi. Right. It's commented now, the deal he did was for significantly less pay than if he went to Saudi Arabia. He would have earned $1.5 billion net if he went to Saudi Arabia. And he's gone to Inter Miami for way less than that. But he signed a deal with Apple. Now Messi, everybody thinks the football player. Messi is now a content creator. He's signed a deal with Apple, and when he's on the pitch, he's creating content that Apple's distributing, and he's on a cut of all of the fees for Apple TV. So then if you play that back in to the travel industry, do we have a Messi? Well, we probably don't have a Messi. But Peter Stein. We have a grumpy old... Better not swear on the podcast. I we, have a, we, have a, we have a messy, messy. <laughs> yeah, we have a very messy, messy, yeah. So... We have lots of influencers in the travel industry who have niches who are like mini messies, right? And whether that's in food, whether it's in clothes or fashion or adventure, it's all niches, but there is mini messies everywhere in travel. And they're in a bit of a mess. Again, these travel messies are in a bit of a mess. And I've been thinking this last week or so on how we create a new business model we taken the experience economy that all our operators should understand. If you don't, why are you not bloody understanding it yet? We go on about it all the time. So experience economy, content creators, and new business models. That's a triangle that needs to be solved, right? Because whoever solves that, you're onto something really, really powerful, right? It breaks the marketing model of having to do paid marketing. It breaks the model of how the industry currently works on distribution and bolting things together, right? But it still makes the customer really happy. And you could argue maybe happier because they've got that attachment with the messy before they actually go. So this is a super interesting space and something that operators should be paying attention to. I haven't, got all the answers I haven't got all the answers on it. It's complex, but it's going to work. I'm convinced it's going to work and someone's going to nail the model, the model for making it work. The evidence is already there. I know that though I've been saying it for years that if you focus a lot on really good content and become a content creator, become that media company that I always say, eventually you can get to a stage where all the sales and the bookings and everything else you're getting from is from that organic content. You would never need to pay an OTA or paid advertising ever again. It takes a lot of work to get there, but once you get there, the dividends it pays is incredible um, and you'll spend less money in the long run. Chris, your strategy... The actual product has something to do with it as well. When I say the, the product, yeah. the experience, they, not everybody in their industry is going to, mm -hmm. they could do the best content in the world and they're still only going to get 
X number of bookings a year. And it, a lot of it does come down to what is that experience about as well, because some things are and much more interesting to a much bigger audience and some things are in really niche, niche, niche down to a small audience. That's not to say you can't create create value from small niche, niche, niche. Again, that's what I like doing. And smaller the niche and the more uh, unique it is, the higher the price. So you can still make great profit, but you're never not going to scale the business to a big size at that point. Yeah. I think when you're looking at this sort of business model, first of all, you as an operator need to actually be an innovative experience creator. You cannot just be going to an influencer and saying, I have a seven-day safari or a 10-day highlights of Europe tour. That's not what they're interested at all. And they're interested in something that's close and deeply collaborative uh, because remember, somebody is bringing not only their influence, but their vision, their their audience to the experience. And you need to be open, I think, to ways of collaborating and moving quickly to capture these kinds of relationships that um, um, that, that might be different than the way you're operating right now. I think the three models that I look at that are that are doing really well with us right now, number one, modern adventure. If you want to look up a multi-day tour operator that has taken this to heart and made really high-end, luxe, exclusive experiences out of this, um, you've got to check them out. Second of all, I think of Dharma. Dharma uh, yeah. is essentially a company of many companies uh, made up of wellness, sports travel, anything that has that messy and it could be a yoga instructor, it could be anybody. Um, and Dharma is creating incredible branded experiences around around those not only verticals, but around the influencers themselves. And the third company I think of is Trova Trip, which is essentially trying to become an OTA, a platform for creator-led uh, experiences. Um, and those are all those are all companies that are I think are the earliest in the game, um, but doing also things at a very high level right now. I don't know what what you all think. Yeah, no, Dharma for sure. No, um, we actually, my agency used to work with Dharma for a while and they brought a few things in-house and some of the storytelling they're, they're saying is, or doing is incredible. No, they've even got, keep the, the theme of footballers uh, uh, in, in the mixes. No, they've got Eric Cantona helping them with some of their, their marketing and things like that as well. So it's they're really going after the story element. So it's uh, it's phenomenal to see what they're doing. These three companies, what they have in common is they're really leaning into the experience economy, right? That's at the core of what they're doing and what they're building. And, and that's the difference. As you said, Mitch, the the same old tours that scale with the partners that you have, the hotels that give you a deal, that's, that's not what the customer nor these content creators are looking for. And they're the ones who have the customers. Nikki, give you a kind of idea on the innovation that sticks behind some of the, the innovation thought that sticks behind some of these companies. So Dharma for a client, and I won't name the client, hired the satellite for one of their events. So think about it as a tour operator hiring a satellite to take photographs of your event. Now, I have an interest in that company that they hired, so I'm going to declare that. But that's the sort of thought process of the innovation that some of these companies have gone through, which I find inspiring. This goes back to something that Nikki and I preach on every day, which is the power of the guide and the power of moments on a tour, of oh, wow moments, uh, the power to go home and say, I did not see that coming. Um, I know what a group photo looks like. I've never seen a group photo taken from space. Um, this also, I think, speaks to the idea. You learn, you learn you have a lot more bald spots when satellite takes your group photo, I guess. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, 
the the one thing I think is, you know, look at reviews on look at reviews on your average review review aggregator. When a guest is truly wowed, to me, the first thing they say is they name the guide. Mm-hmm. They name the person. They don't name the branded entity. Honestly, brand recognition is always this like hill that every company tries to climb. And this is a way of getting around that, right? Make that relationship where the relationship actually gets made with the creator, with the guide. I mean, a, the creator is essentially the guide. They look a little different. They're not exactly a tour leader. They might be working with a tour leader, but it's that named relationship that drives the truly emotional connection. Nikki? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, something you and I talk about a lot is that you could do this internally. You can turn your guides into brand advocates. You can have them be the example. But that takes a lot of time and resource. This is almost a shortcut. You find someone who already has that star quality, for lack of a better word, that already has that following, and then you're just bringing them into the fold. There's also that. There's also people out there that don't realize they have it. There's a lot of influential people out there that are doing great work, but they don't actually realize the influence they they have. So sometimes you mm-hmm. you can go out and search for people and and introduce them to the concept rather than finding two people come together who are both looking for it, you can actually introduce the concept to some influencers who don't realize the fallen and the influence they are. This makes me think of a Tourpreneur Plus member, John Canister, Battlefield Tours of Virginia. All of his guides were authors, esteemed authors on civil rights topics. Those are influencers. Making those personalities front and center adds value not only to your company and what you're doing, but also is what I think today's experience uh uh, purchaser is looking for that that human connection, that wow factor. That um, same same operator who was at one of our huddles in Charleston was a day operator, and now he's a multi day operator after spending some days with us, and he's earning a lot more revenue from being a multi day operator as well as a day operator and making more profit. Funny that people who spend time with us. If you would like to not only spend time with us in those settings, but also in the most spectacular city in Europe, Seville, Spain, then come and learn how you can actually make a lot more money as a multi-day operator, adding that to your portfolio uh, instead of um, the long slog of day tours, which is great. I used to be a day tour operator myself, but um, uh, exploring the world uh, multi-day or growing your multi-day business or trying to decipher what technology solutions are right for you to power your business, uh, come to Tourpreneur Connect. That's at tourpreneur.com slash connect. And finally, Chris, I want to end with you. When we're looking at this kind of marketing landscape fueled by content creators, everybody's talking about TikTok right now. Everyone is talking less about Instagram. We might be talking about more about it coming soon when they launch their Twitter clone. But right now we're talking about TikTok. Are we, are we in a blind spot in another one of our industry's obsessions where Short form video, short form video. Everybody's got to suddenly turn their cameras in the opposite direction. And I'm wondering from your perspective of actually seeing the ROI in terms of marketing spends, if if we are looking at a bit of a blind spot and there's other other um, other avenues, guides, our operators should continue to stay focused on. Um, short answer, yes. Um, no, don't get me wrong. TikTok uh, is a phenomenal tool um, or, or any sort of platform that offers reels and things like that, like Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and all these other ones, obviously off the back of what TikTok's success. Now, short-term videos are what everyone's focusing on. It's what all operators are, seem to be focusing on, but they're forgetting the other aspects of video like YouTube, for example. YouTube is still the biggest video platform out there. 
And you also have to look at it. Now, we always go bang on about the, the sort of purchase journey, the consumer journey that every traveler follows when they go through, when they're deciding where to travel to and what type of experiences, et cetera, they want to buy. The short-term video, and all the data, the data is out there. YouTube have got data, Google's got data out there, that the short-term videos are great at the early stages of the consumer journey to bring people in, to find out more and get a bit of a, an idea of what your brand's about and what your personality is about. But once they get further and further up that journey and get closer to the purchase stage, it's actually a long-form video that actually is working best to close the deal and to seal the deal for a lot of um, travel companies and just companies in general. Well, like I say, Google ran a, a survey recently and 72% of people still watch YouTube videos um, as part of that consumer journey to make a decision. And a lot of operators have now forgot about that and just focusing on reels and always videoing in portrait, which really is annoying because when you come to edit videos and you want to use it in landscape and YouTube, you can't because it's not in the right format. So it's remembering that when you are going through that customer journey and seeing where your customers are going to be, do the short-term, short-form videos at the start, but always have those long-term videos and long-form videos for further along the journey because they want to know more about you. They want to know more about the experience, find out a little bit more detail, which you just can't get in a short-form video. So you have to do both, not just think about just doing the short-term. A great video format for your product page is a horizontal, longer, more emotional video where you're still selling and making that connection. So as Peter always says, do not get distracted by shiny object syndrome. Look at what moves the needle for your business. Stay focused on it. And as always, uh, we're here in the Facebook group, in the Entrepreneur Plus community, on the podcast, in our newsletter uh, to serve you and help move your business along. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another Entrepreneur Roundup. Are you interested in adding multi-day to your day tour business? Are you looking to understand growth and scale strategies in the multi-day world? Looking to finally crack the technology stack you need to organize, automate, and grow your business? Then join Torpreneur in Seville, Spain for Torpreneur Connect, sponsored by We Travel, November 27th to 30th, 2023, for an event unlike any other in our industry. Open to strictly 100 operators. Pete, Mitch, Chris, and other industry experts will guide you through the do's, don'ts, twists, and turns of running a multi-day tour business. Not only that, Tourpreneur are giving back as we will be bringing in local suppliers and businesses to help us run the event. We're also opening up the event to a number of locally-based tour operators who can attend for free. So join Tourpreneur in Seville for Connect, November 27th to 30th, 2023, and join us for an unforgettable experience of learning and connection in one of Europe's most unforgettable cities. Visit tourpreneur.com slash connect for more info.